Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Into the Fray. I'm Daniel Marable, here with... I'm Eli Kleinman. Today, we will be looking at what would happen if the All-Star Game was brought to college basketball, redraft of one of the worst drafts of all time, the 2013 NBA draft, and then we will look at the Louisville Cardinals and how their players have translated to the NBA. But first... We just came off a long basketball game, USC and Utah in the Pac-12 quarterfinal. USC pulled out a 91-85 victory in double overtime. We do not usually talk about games, and we won't talk about the game itself necessarily here, but I do want to touch on Evan Mobley, the potential number one overall pick. Put up 26 points, nine rebounds, shot 50% from the field, and had five blocks. Were you how impressed were you with Evan Mobley's performance tonight? Oh yeah, I mean Evan is quite possibly, especially as a freshman, it's so impressive. He's he's one of the most poised big men, which is really hard to come by, and one of the most polished big men in college basketball. Um, as a freshman, I think he might be even better, but he's like the best big man prospect since Carl Anthony Towns, and that's saying a lot because that's been six years now at this point. Um, but yeah, double overtime thriller. They definitely wouldn't have come away with that victory without Evan. Another key thing was the free throws. Uh, I don't know the exact stats there, but he made a good, decent chunk of free throws, um, which yeah. is huge for, for a center right now in college basketball, especially for for an abysmal free throw shooting team that USC is. Um, the free throws really decided the game in this case. And yeah, Evan absolutely. played a huge part in that. Yeah, totally agree. Evan went 11 of 14 from the line, which is, you know, an impressive clip, like you said, for a very bad free throw shooting team, Uh, you know, and and more importantly, uh, and just so we're clear, that is a 78% mark, which is 8% above his average. So good for him. He started off nine for nine. Um, So, you know, kind of slowed down at the end, but that's what happens when you get fatigued at the end again. I think we saw the development of Evan Mobley. He could not have done this week one. He could not have done this in his first game. He just couldn't. He was very polished coming in. But he didn't have the confidence or the assertion to go in and get his own. That's what he did tonight, right? He shot 7 of 14. Most of his points came in the second half because he had foul trouble in the first half. And it was just impressive watching him dominate down low. He was held to zero field goal attempts in Utah's first matchup. Utah's really excellent big men defender. So they've been able to limit Evan Mobley in the past. They weren't really able to do that tonight. I really think he showed why he's a top prospect. I have had doubts about him all season, but I think the most impressive part of his game was the defense. Like I said, he picked up two fouls in the first half. He didn't have another foul for the rest of the game. Right. He, so so he picked up two fouls in, in 10 minutes, roughly. Yeah. Actually, seven. Yeah, two quick and fouls. He and he didn't pick up another foul in the next 20 minutes he played. Which is really so, impressive. Yes. Sorry, not 20 minutes. He played 38, I want to say. So 31 minutes, which is really impressive. And, and that takes skill. I mean, that, that's hard to do, to not pick up a foul in the, in the second half, um, especially and, at center. Um, and a freshman, and that's going to be key heading into the tournament. If they if they want to, you know, make a run there, they're going to have to keep Evan out of foul trouble. Uh, 
he's gonna have to keep defending at the at the high um high clip that he is and he's gonna have to keep making those free throws and if he does i mean they could they could make a serious run in the tournament yeah absolutely and i think you know like you said playing at a high defensive level he was playing at a high defensive level tonight like you mentioned for sure and he wasn't fouling and that is so important not only for usc to make a run but just for his draft prospect as well as shown he can defend without having to foul and he is very good at that so i think evan mobley he was already a top three pick but i think you know if there was some doubt, I think he certainly put some of it to bed tonight. I mean, I don't think he could have had much better of a performance. I agree. And before moving on to our first topic, that was actually where I was going. I was going to ask you, um, where do you see him going? I would say he's a top three lock, but, and I, I think most scouts and GMs have already made up their mind. I, I don't think anything can convince him from here on out that Kate is probably, even though I know I've voiced my concerns, I, I'm not convinced he's the first pick, but I think a lot of people are. I mean, do you see Evan as as a lock at number two? Do you think he could slip to number three, or do you think he could make a run at number one? I think he could make a run at number one. I don't think he will. I think Kate Cunningham's going number one. And I know you have doubts about Kate Cunningham, but Kate Cunningham just has a scoring ability as a guard that Evan Mobley does not. I mean, just, that's, just, that's just the way the NBA works today is guards can score much more easily than big men, although – Two big men are MVP favorites right now in Joel Embiid and Nicole Jokic. But Evan Mobley is not there yet. He may become that, but he is not there. Kate Cunningham can score day one. I mean, when you're a 6'8 guard, it's really difficult to defend. So I think he's definitely there. Uh, I say Evan Mobley's top three. I think it's possible he goes at two. But I also think it's possible he goes at three. You know, there's a couple players that could go ahead of him and. Most and you know Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga had a huge performance in the West Coast Conference Championship game. I don't know if you watched that. I, I watched the end. Yeah, it's crazy. Did. I mean, he pulled up from three twice and knocked down two big threes. I mean, that's what you want to see in your point guard. That's what he did. I, I he's a very special prospect. But I think Evan Mobley probably will find his way to the second pick. Right. I see more potential in Evan, but with the way the league is is going right now it, it's a point guard league so i could see Jalen, especially if they make a run and, and they do uh if gonzaga does you know do very well in the tournament which we all suspect they will that could influence some teams um also yeah i, I can't i can't fault a team for wanting because usually i mean the team with the first pick is going to be rebuilding and you're going to want a, a really a point forward is what he is uh, you're going to want that to start your franchise with not not really a big man. That's not what the way the league's going anymore. Yeah, no. And and I think Evan could have a similar path to James Wiseman. You know, maybe a top, clearly a top prospect, but doesn't go number one. And the only concern I have comparing him to James Wiseman is James Wiseman was a little bigger, maybe a little bit more polished around the rim, a little bit better at scoring. But I'll say Evan is a little better as a defender. So I see him in a James Wiseman role. You know, obviously the Warriors are contenders, but Evan will be playing minutes, but I'm not sure how big of an impact he will make right off the jump. I think I think it's going to take a little time. He's going to have to build his frame, and he's going to have to work on his game inside a little bit more, especially as he starts to match up against bigger and not only height and size defenders. Yeah, and we'll spend a lot more time on this when we do full mock drafts uh, and dedicate a full segment to that. 
But uh, moving on to our first official topic of the day, uh, we'll be just uh, a- well after the All Star break, which I don't know if you watched the whole thing. It's it was a long it was a long day. We compacted into uh, one day instead of usually it's what three. Yeah, so yeah. we'll be constructing in light of that event. We'll be constructing our ideal college basketball All Star game. There, there's an idea right there. I'm sure it's been I mean, thought out before, but uh, hey, what? Give me your ideal. Your your what's plausible? What what's a dream scenario? What's your perfect ideal NBA? Uh, not NBA. Uh, college basketball All Star game, Eli. So I hate to rain on the parade. When we're going to talk about plausible, there is no plausible All Star yeah, game. There will never be an All Star game unless you decide to pay the players, and then they will have to show up. That's not going to happen. That's a good point. But I think it would be a lot of fun. I mean. You're watching all these kids. I think probably the most fun part would honestly be the dunk contest because you get some of these high-flying college kids, and I think their imagination is great. I think they're going to go all out. They're going to try to have fun. They're going to try to, you know, have huge dunks. I mean, it's just just the nature of college athletes. So I think that's a lot of fun. I would love to see a skill challenge similar to the NBA, but I think we could make it a little different. I think we could have some more fun with it. Maybe add a half court shot to finish it out instead. I mean, make them pull up from the half court and hit one. I mean, if you've watched college game day for basketball, you know how they have like the 50 seconds for like, I don't know, $5,000, something like that from state farm where you have to hit a half court shot, like, and you win like a college scholarship, which is really cool. It's fun to watch. People enjoy watching people try to hit half court shots. So I think if you like had something along those lines with the skills challenge capped off by that, it it would be fun to watch. I don't know if actually they need an all-star game. I'm not a huge fan of the all-star game personally. I think you could have just some events, maybe events at the final four. That would be a lot of fun on maybe Sunday, call it Sunday, somewhere in between the final four and the championship game. You could have events. I guarantee you people would watch. So I feel like that's the ideal situation. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But if I were to construct or try, and it's difficult, and there's no way it will ever happen. But So my ideal college basketball all-star game, first off, it wouldn't be one game, it'd be three, which in and of itself is out the window already. Try to propose that to the board, no way. Um, but, you know, I put quite a bit of thought into this. I was trying to think of how could this work, what, what would be the most exciting? So it'd be the Power Five conferences, right? Plus one more, I tried to make the, the numbers work, one more conference, quote-unquote conference, for, for all the other conferences. Um, and each year... We would, we would switch up which conference plays who. So, for example, like one year it might be the Big Ten All-Star team versus the ACCs and so on. And then the next year it could be the Big Ten versus the SEC and so on and so forth. Um, and I figured like this way it wouldn't just be one giant game with only really like 28 or so All-Stars in the entire nation. Um, which I think would be giving doing a disservice to, to these pl- college players who are on the All-Star level. Because um, I think you could definitely create an all-star level roster out of a single conference. Um, so I think this, as opposed to like one game with fewer players, is far more compelling. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good idea. You know, obviously, we all wish it could happen. Right. Probably won't, but I mean, it's exciting to think about. 
you know, when I put it at the final four makes me excited for the final four in less than less than a month. Think about that. We are less than a month from the final four. We are a week away. March Madness starts in seven days. Hasn't set in yet. Yeah. So college basketball fans get excited madness is finally back right it, it'll be fun to watch but i think an all-star game would be really cool i really do like your idea uh, i think if in terms of an all-star game that sounds like as good of an idea as anybody right and i'm i'm right there with you i agree like i've always and i don't know about other people um but i've always enjoyed the events of all-star weekend way more than the game itself um so of course there would be some events in my ideal um all-star weekend uh in my favorite um, like you said, it is the skills challenge actually. Um, and just for fun, I picked, I picked some guys from this college basketball season who I think would be perfect for, um, each of these events. So the skills challenge, I thought, you know, Scotty Barnes at, uh, FSU, a do it all forward. And then Jalen Suggs, who we talked about at a Gonzaga, a poised freshman, um, on the winningest team in college basketball. And then we just talked about Evan Mobley, who's one of the most skilled big men we've seen in a while. Um, also Jason Preston out of Ohio. He had a lot of buzz early on in the season, a junior guard is averaging uh, 15, seven and seven. And then of course, Cade Cunningham's got to be in there. Six, eight point guard enough said. And then, uh, Io DeSumo, Jared Butler, possibly the two best veteran guards in college basketball. And then I'll quickly finish this three point contest. It's got to be Matthew Hurt. He's practically automatic from three. Uh, oh goodness. He doesn't even jump. He doesn't even jump. He, I, he's made for the three point contest. He's made to win it. You know what was a great part about today? What? No, no, the no. Duke season is over. It's so unfortunate, and I really think they would have made a run there. Matthew Hurt, he he's going to be good. I think he could be an actual legitimate, solid NBA role player. Is he going to get? Is he going to leave this year? Because that would be foolish. I hope not. I hope not. He could be really good. He he could be Naismith Player of the Year possibly if he stays one more year. Um. Also, I, I threw in James Booknight. Uh, Cameron Thomas, Corey Kispert, of course, Scotty Pippen Jr., John Petty, all great shooters. And then trust me, I, I did try to think uh, of players for the dunk contest. I, I really tried, um, but it's Greg Brown. It, it's got to be Greg Brown. I, I couldn't. It doesn't even matter who else competes in it. I, I think Greg Brown, or Brown's got it in the bag. Uh, it would be his to lose. A for three point competition, really disrespecting uh, Oregon and. Uh... You know, Tajidi at USC. I mean, just, just, just throwing out some names there. Yeah, and then one last, one last idea I had. You might not like this. I've always wanted the NBA to do a, a like a one-on-one tournament at All Star Weekend. Um, so I think starting one at, at a potential college All Star game would be like the perfect test run before implementing it into the NBA. I've always wanted that. I, it, it's such a different dynamic to to team basketball, a one-on-one competition. That could be really interesting. Yeah, no, it, it could be. Um, it would certainly be intriguing to watch. And, you know, you could get some stars out on the court. Uh, you know, imagine R.J. Barron, Zion Williamson probably went one-on-one a couple times, if not more, in college. Imagine just putting that out in public. But we will move on to one of the most boring segments. Just kidding. It's not boring. The players are boring. We'll make it fun. The 2013 NBA redraft. Uh, let's just go to pick number one. I mean, this draft was awful. Anthony Bennett was the first pick. <laughs> Cody Zeller was a top four pick along with Alex Lynn. Well, let's just get to number one pick. I think it's consensus. I'll let you just 
control the I'll, I'll let you speak for me with the number one pick all right so like you said the 2013 nba draft is infamous for being one of the worst if not the worst in nba history as well as having one of the weakest draft classes in recent memory so the first pick the Cavs. they seem to have it almost every other year at this point uh, so in 2013, no one really knew. That was the problem with this draft. No one really knew who was going to be the first pick. So the Cavs had a ton of options. Um, but I've got them taking one of the most electrifying and dominant power forwards in the NBA uh, that the NBA has seen in the last decade. And that would be, of course, Anthony Bennett. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. It's, not, it's, not, it's not Anthony uh-huh. Bennett, no. It, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I don't even care about the fit. He's a two-time back-to-back MVP. Defensive Player of the Year, and most importantly, he's just a good-spirited, hardworking, and loyal guy. They had Kyrie at the time, LeBron was about to come back, and honestly, I wouldn't even be too concerned about the Giannis and LeBron fit, because as we've seen, when two superstars want it to work, it'll work. Um, also, another thing I feel like is worth noting, I feel like the Cavs are always getting like a stacked team in these redrafts that we do. Uh, I think we had Kawhi and Clay going to the Cavs in one. And then you add LeBron on top of that. I think it just goes to show how many picks the Cavs have missed on. Uh, and they've always had good picks. It's Giannis. Two-time MVP. One defensive player of the year. Enough said. Let's go to number two. I can start. There's a couple options here. Well, let's be very clear. There's a huge drop-off from number one to number Two, I mean, you're talking about one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA, to a bunch of, a couple, I'll say it's a category of three solid players. Three all-stars, right? They've all made the all-star game, I think. At one, uh, not one guy. One guy hasn't, which is crazy. I, I don't Isn't think... that your number two pick? My number pick has, my number two pick has made an all-star game. I think two. Are you sure they? I think I think they've all made the All Star game. I'm uh, not sure about. I think your number two hasn't. It is possible not. Uh, but no matter, he's a very solid player. My number two pick is CJ McCollum, and you know what? If he hasn't made an All Star game, the only reason he hasn't is because he plays behind next to a. I'll say this: a top three guard in the NBA. Clearly, standout top three guard, Damian Lillard. C.J. McCollum's a great player. He's a great second option. He's a great scorer. You know, I think he'd be a good first option if he didn't have Dame standing next to him. Uh, Unfortunately, they haven't had anything else around them. Otherwise, they probably could make a deep run in the playoffs. But he's been a very solid player next to Damian Lillard. You know, he just he can score. He, He can really do it all. He averages almost 19 points per game. And I know, you know, three assists, three rebounds is nothing special. But, you know, he's a shooting guard. His goal is to shoot. He puts up points, and, you know, he does a little bit on the side. So C.J. McCollum is the number two pick. Yeah, and I just double-checked. He has not. I thought he hadn't, which is which is just disrespectful. And He, he did was get on, snubbed then. He, he was on track. Snubbed. He was on track to make it this year. I think he, there's no question he would have made it, but that injury really – uh but now with Mike Conley being awarded that that last spot for Devin Booker, McCollum might be the best player in history uh, to not make an All Star game. Seriously. Yeah. And so my number two, the Magic. I've got them. I've still got them taking Oladipo. Uh, hopefully they learn from their mistake of trading him prematurely, which they did, uh, and they'll hold on to him this time. Uh, but but 
if we're looking at it truthfully, Orlando had no idea about the all-star Oladipo would blossom into in Indiana. Well, it took another stop before he eventually got to Indiana. But if they did, I think they definitely would have kept him instead of trading him. And yes, his health has been a concern over the last couple of seasons. Um, and his future right now is again in question with him being traded to the Rockets, which really didn't make sense for them or him. Um, but he's a free agent this offseason, so he'll either uh, be traded at the deadline um, or in the summer he'll sign with a team that he actually wants to play for, which is something he's never had the opportunity to do. So that'll be very interesting come summer if he isn't traded, or even if he is, he might sign. Uh, it looks like the Heat or the Knicks are at the top of his list, which I, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play for either one of those next season. But but let's not forget, Oladipo, at his best, is a great leader, a great defender, and scorer who, I think we forget this often, he took LeBron to Game 7 in 2018 in that first round of the playoffs. Yeah. No, no, he's a very good player. And he was great in Indiana. Obviously, the injury was devastating. There is rumors that the Golden State Warriors are trying to trade for him. I'm not sure what you do. I mean, I would love to see it. Give up Kelly Oubre Jr. I would love to just replace him. I know Kelly Oubre Jr. is a good defender, but I like Victor Oladipo. He's a really good player. But that brings us to number three, which is where I have Victor Oladipo going to Washington. Otto Porter did not turn out to be what people expected him to be coming out of Georgetown and Victor Oladipo has been a very good player. You know, maybe doesn't compare to some other number two picks in the years surrounding 2013, but a solid player that has contributed and led some of his teams. So that's why Victor Oladipo goes number three. Yeah, so third to the Wizards, I've got them taking, instead of Otto Porter, not a great pick there, I've got them taking Gobert, who went 27th. He really fell. Um, and this seems like the perfect fit to me. Uh, I, I feel like I'm always redrafting a center for the Wizards because they just can't seem to ever find the right guy. But but here he is, uh, the solution to Washington's hole at center. Uh, and, and not to mention the fact that they've consistently been one of, if not the worst defensive teams in the league, and, and he'll patch up all those holes for them instantly. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, a core of him, uh, Wall, and Beal could have made some more waves in the Eastern Conference. I remember... That I, I believe it was the second round, um, in I think 2017 against the Celtics, and that was a I believe it went to seven games. If they had a lockdown uh, defender, a great um, interior defender, that could have easily gone their way. So we will stick with the trend of me picking your player a pick later. Charlotte picked a center. His name was Cody Zeller, and he wasn't very good. Instead, they picked Rudy Gobert. It, it makes sense. He's part of that group of three players who either have made an all-star game or I'll say CJ should have made an all-star game at some point in time. He's been a good enough player to do so. Rudy Bogobero is somewhat of a late blossomer if you really think about it, but he's turned out into a very good player and a great defender. So, you know, he was an all-star this season once again. So he goes number four to Charlotte. And that brings to a, I mean, you, before you, you will pick your number four pick, but I would say after here, the drop-off is startling. Yeah. Yep. That's how I describe it. So at four, I've got the Hornets who were the Bobcats at the time. This is 2013, which is insane to think of. It's hasn't been that long. Bobcats, huh? I've got them taking CJ McCollum who went 10 uh, instead of Cody Zeller. That didn't work out as planned. Uh, and it comes down really to the fact that McCollum is by far the best player left on the board. 
and this team actually made the playoffs that year with Al Jefferson and Kemba Walker. So with CJ instead of Cody Zeller, I think they would have they would have definitely been way better. Um, also, a backcourt of Kemba and McCollum is very similar to Lillard and McCollum in Portland. So I, I would expect them to have similar success in the East, if not more. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Charlotte's one of those teams that just it's been disappointing. They've just been mediocre to bad every single season. And it's unfortunate because, you know, it's just, they just have potential. And it's funny because their owner is obviously Michael Jordan. So clearly not as good at running a team. I know he's the owner, not the, but not as good as running a team as he is playing. It's you a know, college, one, what were you going to say? It's a college basketball state. Yes. Not an NBA. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. One quick thing to note, very separate from this, the Colorado Cal game yeah. that was supposed to tip off after USC's victory is set to get tip off at 1230 Eastern time. That's crazy. Hope any East Coasters are not planning on staying up for that one. Yeah, dang. But let's move on to number five and the drop off has hit. I'll let you go first. All right. Just, yeah. Just, there's not much here. Fifth. Yeah. We're really, we're scraping at nothing. Uh, the Suns, I've got them instead of Alex Len, who he's actually been solid this year for the Wizards after not being on a team. Uh, I've got them taking Steven Adams, who went 12th. And, and this was that era where the Suns had way, way too many point guards with, like, starting caliber point guards with Drogic, Bloodstone, and Isaiah Thomas. So they didn't need a guard. Um, but they didn't, didn't, they, didn't they also have Brandon Knight? Possibly. I don't, Isaiah Thomas was, was, I, 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 I wasn't incorrect there. Isaiah was a year from being on the Suns. He was still in his last year as a King, but it was that same era. I, they probably had Brandon Knight. Seems like the same era. Brandon but, Knight at one point yeah. was on Phoenix Suns. So I right. had another They had guard. like four, four starting caliber point guards, uh, which is, a horrible position to find yourself in. They ended up trading like half of them away for basically nothing. Um, but you're right. This is where we see a huge drop off in talent. And I like Steve. I like Steven Adams. He seems like a nice guy and he plays his role very well. Some might say perfectly for, for what he does. Uh, but I wouldn't ever want him to be the best player available at pick five at, at no. pick five in a draft, the best player available. I, but he is, he is a big body. You can put him in the paint. He'll grab rebounds. And, and he does fill a much-needed role for the Suns in 2013. So it, it wouldn't be a bad pick for them. No, I I don't think it would. And honestly, I, I like to see the, the – the, sorry, Stephen Adams pick. But that's not who I have. Again, I, I think more guard-centric. I know Phoenix has guards. But, you know, when you have the fifth pick, you have to pick the best available player. And in this draft, to me, it's Dennis Schroeder. Sure, he's not been – an amazing player at all times, but he's been a good player in certain places. And, and frankly, he has the ability to score. And when you have the fifth pick and nothing available, that's what you go for. So Dennis Schroeder on to number six, which brings you, I will put you on the clock. All right. Six, the Pelicans who were the Pelicans at the time. They just switched to the Pelicans. Um, The Pelicans actually traded this pick. Um, which ended up being Nerland's Noel, to the 76ers for Drew Holiday. So it doesn't really make sense for them to take a point guard here. And they had Anthony Davis, so the bigs were pretty much set. Um, what the Pelicans did need was wing depth. 
Uh, and I may be overreaching on this one, um, like I did with Jay Crowder. You're going to hate me. Um, but I'm taking Robert Covington. I'm taking Amir, uh, who, might I add, went undrafted. And at one point, he was one of the league's most effective 3 and D players. He's not really reached that level this season. He's been a, a bit disappointing. But let's not forget, he he's the role player that every team wants and needs. Uh, and he'll he'll get you a bucket on offense. He'll hit the open three, the corner three. And he'll get you a stop on the other end as well. And that's that's pretty difficult to say no to. Reaching is correct. You have a love for these 3 and D players who... Robert Cunnington can't shoot, by the way. Let's it, just be very clear. He's no longer a shooter. Maybe no longer. At one point, for, for a good stretch of years, like five or six seasons, he was an excellent 3 and D player. The, the problem is, is he's a better defender now than he used to be, but he's a worse shooter than he used to be. So it's it's one of those complicated situations for him. At number six, I have Steven Adams. Like you said, everything you said is right. It's a weak draft class make if I have to pick Steven Adams at six, but that's 2013 for you. You know, hopefully you were a better team back in 2013 because there was very little on the clock. Then, so that's who... I have it number six. On to number seven, I have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Moving up a pick, he's been a solid role player. I mean, that, that's all he's been, but that's honestly basically the best available. Right, so, these teams would be lucky Contavious to get a Caldwell. solid role player here, yeah. Uh, at seven, I've got the Kings taking Dennis Schroeder, uh, who went 17th instead of Ben McLemore. Um, it was Isaiah Thomas's last year with the team, so the Kings did need a point guard in 2013. Schroeder is a solid point guard. Um, he definitely has the the ability to score, and, and who knows? He might be. Uh, um, he'll even he might even win a title this year with the Lakers. Um, and you know, there's no player who would fix um, the dumpster fire that was the Kings in 2013. But Schroeder is the best player left on the board, um, and he's not Ben McLemore, so that's a start. Yes. Nope. That's a good point. So that brings us to yep, number eight. Number eight. Number eight. The Pistons. I've got them taking uh, not KCP. I've got them taking Tim Hardaway Jr., who fell all the way to twenty-four. Um, the Pistons needed a shooting guard here, which is why they picked Contavious Caldwell Pope. And there's an argument to be made of whether you know KCP or Hardaway uh, Jr. is the better player, but but I'll take Tim Hardaway's offense over KCP's, and that's that's why I picked him for the Pistons, which. They always need offense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm going to pick uh, – I have the same pick. There's just no one better at this point in the draft. I mean, you know, I just – he's had his moments. I mean, he really has. He's had some good games. So, you know, one of the better scores from this draft, he goes in number eight, which brings us to number nine. I find myself climbing deeper into the bench player bucket. I'm going to pick Trey Burke. Nothing special, but just I loved him in college. So <laughs> I had some special moments in college. Trey Burke. Nothing really special in the NBA, but hey, there's not much left on the board here. No, you're right. Um, at nine, which is interesting because – the Timberwolves did select Trey Burke at nine. Um, I've got the Timberwolves picking Kelly Olenek, who I think is quite a bit better than Trey Burke. Um, so this was the last year, actually, that Kevin Love was on the Timberwolves before they shipped him off to to be LeBron's spot-up shooter for Andrew. Wait until next year, Wiggins. Um, so I've got them drafting Love's 
replacement, if you want to call that. Um, no, Olenek is not and will never be an all-star. Um, the the all-star that, that Kevin Love was. Uh, but but he is a capable uh, starter, uh, especially as a stretch four. I like him as a stretch four. And considering they still do draft Towns, I, I actually love the fit of Olenek and Towns in the front court together. So that, that was what went behind the thought process of this pick. Sure, makes sense to me. Wouldn't make it myself, but hey, that's all right. And for the last pick, I am going deeper into the would never pick them, but I will do it here because frankly, I don't really care with this, the way this draft class looks. I'm picking Alan Crabb, one of my favorite college players from Cal. Signed a big contract at one point, you know? Hey, he got got paid. That's what matters, right? I suppose. Salary does matter. Well, it doesn't when we're picking him. But you know what? I'll I'll pick a waiver. He was one of my favorite players growing up in college. So special player in my heart. I got a place for you at number 10, Alan Crabb. Uh, over Kelly Olenek? Okay. All right. That's that's fine by me. I've got the Trailblazers picking. Um, well, uh, the Trailblazers were about to move on, so that's what went into the thought process. They were about to move on from the core of Aldridge, Batum, and Wesley Matthews that they had for so long. So this pick is really about all about the fit with Damian Lillard. Um, I did think about Seth Curry, um, who went undrafted, um, but I ultimately decided to go with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who I, I think is the best player by far left on my board at 10, um, who, who's maybe not as good of a shooter as Curry, um, but he has been more consistent over the course of his career, and I, I thought I, I should honor that. Uh, and it, also at six foot five, he's much larger than Curry, uh, which is extremely beneficial when playing next to Lillard. I also want to give a quick sh- uh, honorable mention to um, guys who just missed the cut, uh, in a bad draft, but I want to give a shout out to Otto Porter, who went third, didn't live up to ex- the expectations, but he is a solid role player. We we have to honor that. Michael Carter Williams, who was the rookie of the year, that alone I think garners an honorable mention. Andre Roberson, who's been a solid defender despite not playing for like four years, and then Daniel Tice, who went undrafted, a Celtic. He's been solid for them. They really just picked him out of nowhere from Europe, and he's been solid. He's been their starting center. All right, so I'll give my couple shout-outs. Uh, I want to shout-out um, – I want to start with Reggie Bullock. He's one of my favorite players to use in 2K um, as a bench role player who can hit a three. I want to shout-out um, Andre Robertson, like you, who cannot make a bucket in 2K. And I want to shout-out Ben McLemore, who was considered the worst pick by the Sacramento Kings and all of their bad picks – so those are my three shout-outs. In all, all seriousness, this draft class was horrendous. Yep. yep. And there was it was very tough picking down the stretch. Obviously, I turned it into a slight bit of a joke. Yes, your your last couple picks are better than mine, but I mean, picking any of those guys in the top ten is unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, 2014 is a bit better. Moving on, though, to this week's Under the Spotlight, we have decided to go with Louisville. Louisville Under the Spotlight this week. Eli, tell me what you see when you look at the uh, Louisville players in the NBA right now. couple guards, couple bigs, a forward. I feel like every week right now we're getting into, a, well, that could be a starting five in the NBA. And it wouldn't be a good starting five. I'll say this. It would actually be a little bit disappointing, but... There's starting five potential here. I mean, 
Donovan Mitchell's a star. I mean, let's be very clear. That is the star in this list. Terry Rozier's turned himself into a very nice player. Uh, you know, he wasn't good right away, but he came good. And, you know, he, he's a difference maker. Uh, unfortunately, he sunk. I think he sunk the Warriors a couple weeks ago with the buzzer beater shot. That was disappointing to say the least, but you know, there's a bunch of guards. Damian Lee is a a role player on the Warriors. And then Montrezl Harrell's a nice big plays on the Lakers is one six man of the year. Not much from Louisville. They've had some NBA success. So it's a little disappointing that they have not really translated anyone to the NBA, but Frankly, their teams that have had success aren't exactly teams everyone's expecting. So, uh, you know, again, another like 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 I said, I feel like we say this a bunch. Like, there's some solid players, and then for Louisville, the difference is they have a star. Yeah, when I think of Louisville, I always think back to I, I believe his name was Russ Smith, who was their yes. point guard for the longest time. Uh, I think he was averaging like 50 points in China or something. Uh, yeah, so. I have a love-hate relationship with Louisville. They destroyed some Duke teams back in the day. I always think back to Russ Smith because he was the head of some of those teams. But but yeah, Louisville currently has six players in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, Terry Rozier, Montrezl Harrell, Damian Lee, Gorgie Zhang, and rookie Jordan Wara. And looking up and down this list of players, the first thing that jumps out at me is that two of these players received bogus technical fouls a week ago, Mitchell for no apparent reason, and Harrell for yelling and one. Uh, one thing, on a serious note, um, I did notice was that Mitchell and Rozier are actually very similar players. They're both undersized shooting guards. Um, maybe you can argue that Rozier is a point guard, but he's playing more of a shooting guard role now as a scorer. And the only reason that they aren't point guards is because neither of them are what you'd call elite distributors, they're, they're bucket getters, and that's what they are. Uh, not exactly playmakers, so they slide into the two-guard role. Uh, what's even crazier is that they were both sophomores out of Louisville coming into the draft, and they were just taken a few picks apart in their respective draft, Rogier at 16 and Mitchell at 13. Uh, the other notable player on this list is the reigning sixth man of the year, Montrezl Harrell, uh, and he's been the best example of this, but, but it feels like these Louisville players are some of the most passionate and energetic players in the league, especially Harrell, who apparently excitedly screams and one too loudly. Um, but but also Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, despite his size, um, always brings this A-game on defense, which is important. And then the other end, elite athleticism. Let's not forget, he won the dunk contest just a few years ago. Um, and even if you want to throw Terry Rozier in there, I never forget the Scary Terry uh, era in Boston. That was a quite the time. Uh, and then one other key takeaway... Um, looking at Louisville players, is that most of these most of these players are just winners. They're winners. Uh, of course, you've got Mitchell, the best player on the best and most consistent team in the league this season. Um, and then we all know about Harrell's run as the Clipper, although they, d- they did come up short, um, and they did disappoint many fans. He was a key piece for a top team in the NBA, and there's no way around that. Uh, and now, same can be said with him on the Lakers. It looks like they might be moving on from Marcus Gasol. That signing didn't go according to plan. And then I, I, I remember, as a Celtics fan, what Rozier did in the playoffs with Kyrie out, um, especially late uh, in the first round against the Bucks, where he, he dropped that dagger over Bledsoe, and then he called him Drew Bledsoe. Those were fun times. And then if you want to dig even deeper, you can look at Damian Lee, who's a warrior. I know they're not doing 
as well as they used to, but he's a warrior, enough said. And then Jordan Moore is a rookie, but he's on the Bucks, and he's the best rookie shooter probably in the class, so the Bucks could definitely use his skill set next to Giannis, um, who thrives with shooters around him. And then, and then we could just ignore Gorgie Zhang, who, who played for the Timberwolves for a majority of his career, uh, and, and the Timberwolves have no winners. Yes, I agree. You wrapped it up nicely. So let's move on to my favorite segment, Where'd He Go?, where we each give each other three NBA players, and the other has to guess where they went to college. I'll go first. Happy to. This one's going to be easy. If you don't get this, I'm going to be disappointed. Where did Chris Dunn go to college? Chris Dunn. Okay, I know this. But first, I want to clarify. You are up by one or two? Yes, yes, I'm up by one. You're up by mm-hmm. one. I was leading, I think, for the first time. We were tied for the longest time, but I was leading yeah, for the first that, time last then week. Then I took over. Then yeah, I, took I over. blew it. I think you went two for three, and I went O oh for oh three. O for three, yeah. yeah not my best right. night. All right, I gave Chris, you Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. Yes, Chris Dunn. I'm not avoiding it. I, I do know. I remember because he was a... He was, you know, they thought he was going to be a great player. He was supposed to go pretty high. I think he fell a little further than they thought he would in the draft. He went to Providence. There was a lot of hype surrounding him. I didn't get that wrong, right? He went to Providence, yes. Yes, Uh, he did. I think the Timberwolves moved on from him a little too quickly uh, to the Bulls when they traded for Jimmy Butler, but he hasn't even played this season, right? I thought he would be key Uh, to the... Frankly... Nothing special. And he's a great defender. I thought that could be useful next to Trey Young, but I, I don't know what he's doing. Is he injured? Is I don't know. I'm not sure. He, I mean, he just he never turned out to be what people hoped. He couldn't really ever shoot, so that was his problem. Right. But you are correct. He did go to Providence. Providence. Yeah. Okay. I'm already better than last week. All right. My pick, also on the Hawks, Tony Snell. Where did he go? He just hit a three to win the game tonight, so I thought this was pretty timely. What, what what team is? I mean, not what team is he on now. <laughs> yeah. What what team or what team is? Did he just hit three but to win? It, I think against? it was the Hawks against the. Here, let me pull it up. It was the Hawks and, against. Um, and why is Trey Young not taking that shot? Trey Young was trapped. It was against the Raptors, believe it or not. Uh, uh, Trey was trapped, and he was he was looking all over the court, and Tony Snell was the only person open. I wonder why. <laughs> and he just hit. They were down by two. He hit that three. They won the game. Well, I know you're trying to give me something tricky here because I know we didn't go to any big name school, which means we're going small. Uh, you know, I, okay, I'll be honest. I know this one. They made the tournament a bunch. He was one of their best players. They were one of my favorite teams. He was there from 2010 to 2013. They made the tournament in 2010, 2012, and 2013. He went to New Mexico. Correct. Correct, he did. They were one of my favorite teams to pick as Cinderella's every year. They never really did anything big. I mean, not that I remember, but they always were my favorite pick. Um, my uncle lives in New Mexico, so had to had to pick them. Uh, so one for one, let's go to number two. You're gonna If you don't know this one, I'm going to be ashamed. I'm making it really easy for you, but I'm going with a Celtic, going to hopefully try to get Oh, I should know Where everyone. did Semi Ojale go was, to college? Well, well, he went two places of course he went to duke right and then he transferred he was not I'm feeling not talking it. about duke okay not he, talking, he yeah. was not feeling it at duke but then he transferred to smu and he had a great season what was it maybe a couple of seasons uh, and then that's that's what led him to be uh being a early second round pick i remember watching him be picked and thought he was the steal of the draft and he, he hasn't really panned out but he's been a solid three and d role player for the celtics 
SMU. I was really hoping you would miss a Duke and a Celtics one. I thought maybe just maybe that would be embarrassing. That's you. No, I could not. So you are two for two. We're gonna have to make sure you don't go three for three. All right, my next guy. You might know he's been rumored to be on the Celtics radar. Wayne Ellington, a Piston, and a Nick. He's been everywhere. He's been in the league. Where? Oh my gosh! Did he go to? Feels like a South. No. You know what? I have no idea. I'm going to guess. Wow, this is really hard. I just, okay. Did he go to this? I feel like, like, didn't he go to the South? Let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think because I, I remember him. But I don't. It, it's You know what? ACC is the right answer. ACC, up, down, up, down. We'll go up. Okay, I'll go with. You know what? I'll go Boston College. You were right with ACC. He went to UNC. It's been a while. Big name. That was a good guess, though. Shucks. Well, that's unfortunate, which means I need to keep you off the board on this one. Where did Royce O'Neal? Someone oh, the starter. Royce O'Neal. Oh, shoot. And I feel like I was just, like, I was contemplating picking him for you. Oh, no. Royce O'Neal. I should know this. I feel like I just looked this up. Royce O'Neal. Oh, no. Oh, no Gosh. is right. Royce oh, O'Neal. no is what we like to hear. Royce O'Neal. I have to get this to be perfect. Royce O'Neal. Oh, shoot. Wait. I'm thinking... Wait, no, that that's not it. But I'm thinking UNLV, but it's not that. It can't be that. But it's like around there. Royce O'Neal. I'll give you a good shoulder shrug on that guess. Yeah, okay. Well, that helps a lot. Um, I'm gonna... I, I don't think I have anything better. Maybe Texas Tech? Somewhere somewhere around there, in that region, that like southwest region. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I, I'm gonna go with... Uh, no, wait. Maybe Baylor? Baylor. I'm going Baylor. Wow, that's incredible. Was it? That's just a was shame. Was it actually? It was in it's the back Baylor. of my mind because I know I had him on my list of potential guys. Is it Baylor? Yes. Oh, it is. yeah. I knew. I, hey, I had the region right. It was in my subconscious. Oh, gosh. Well, that's a perfect three for three. All right. My last Congratulations. guy. Congratulations. Oh, wow. I feel great after. Oh, I'm, I'm not very consistent, am I? My last guy. You might actually know this one Mike Muscala, who's having a great season with OKC this year. Where did Wait. he go? I just looked this up. I just looked this up. I just, but I know this because I looked it up because he was in the draft class this year, right? Um, Wasn't he? He was. He probably, uh, yeah, no, I think so. I think so. He was. And I saw it when I was looking up and down the list because frankly, despite Mike Muscala not being anything special, I feel like I know him. So I'm trying to think back. He went to a small school. Patriot League school, I know that. So you have like Holy Cross. Oh gosh, you really went with one of the hardest people to find. Like nobody in the NBA who went to a nobody school. But I'm going to guess Colgate from the Patriot League. Close. He went to Bucknell. Oh gosh, dang. Unfortunate. I was in the right conference. You were all three times. Yeah. Hey. That takes talent. 
Yeah, unfortunately, not enough. But that means you have retaken the lead. Did you go three for three today? Yep, I did. Uh, oh my gosh, you're up by two now. That's rather sad. But I will come back next time. And you can tune in to hear me take the lead next week on Into the Fray. We are everywhere you get your podcast for Daniel. I'm Eli. So long. Tune in again next week.